Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a chief evangelist? That's what we're exploring at chiefevangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the chief evangelist at Avanti. He also served at Nokia and Motorola, as well as Zebra Technologies, where he was a solutions evangelist. And I have to give a quick mention and some appreciation to the name of his freelance training and voiceover business, True North. Paul Norford, welcome to Chief Evangelist. <laughs> Ethan, thank you so much. It's so good to be here. I've been looking forward to this for weeks, actually. So it's, it's great to be with you on the show. It's awesome. What, uh, first of all, shout out to True North. Uh, do people call you North? There's a bit of a story behind that. So the, the story goes, I, I was working for Nokia at the time. And uh, uh, our, our EA at the time, my name was Denise, um, was surrounded at this particular point in time with six Pauls. So, of course, at this moment in time, she wanted to talk to her boss, Paul. Uh, so she turned around to him and said, Paul. And then, of course, all six of us whipped around and said, yes, what can we do for you? At which point she threw her toys out the pram and said, right, I've had enough. All of you stand up. And we started laughing, of course, because she's kidding. And literally she said it again, all of you stand up, line up at the wall. So of course, you know, there we are. And we're, we're, we're pretty shaking in our boots at the moment. So we all lined up and she said, right. Anytime I say, Paul, I am sick of everyone turning around. So you, and this is her husband, Paul was Gus for some reason. Uh, you, boss Paul, you're Paul. And then she looked at me and said, uh, Paul, you're North. And she carried on down the line. As I was growing up, people called me Northy anyway. But it was at that point that it just, it stuck in my professional career. Uh, so whatever you're comfortable with, Ethan, you can call me Paul or North or whatever you like. I answer to most things. Awesome. What a fun story. I love it. And I do also now, you've got me fascinated on the idea of why Gus? But that's a story between the two of them. So, uh, so to, to get it to get it moving into zone, uh, we'll we'll open with the standard opener, which is uh, what is the most important job of a chief evangelist? I have been wrestling with that question for some time, and I, I I love the podcast. By the way, I've been I've been an avid fan of it. But but for me, I'm I'm not going to give you just one. I'm going to give you two cheeky ones. I think so. For me, uh, you've. The, the main role of the chief evangelist in my eyes is to be relevant and also to be relatable. I, I know other chief evangelists have been on the show. Everyone has their own different opinion. And the reason I've, I, I believe in those two is that if you look at the biblical definition of an evangelist, it's someone that brings good tidings and typically someone that brings good tidings, you, you essentially, they are relevant to where you are. They're extremely relatable because you understand what those good tidings are. And even from a company perspective, evangelists, chief evangelists have to build so many things very, very quickly. But for me, those are really the two high points. You've, you've got to be relevant to your audience and what's going on in the market. So that pulls in thought leadership and all of those things. 
and then you've also got to be relatable. So you've got to be trustworthy. You've got to have great integrity. You've got to be authentic, all of those things. So in two words, I would say they have to be, um, in, in my view, that my role of the chief evangelist in Avanti is to be relevant and to be relatable. Really, really well done. I, I appreciate so much of what tucks under each of those. So I'm gonna, let's spend a minute in each one of those. So when I hear relatable, you already offered a couple keywords, including trust, um, but one that a, a concept that also comes to mind that I know you've spent some time thinking about, because I think you mentioned it the, the first time we spoke, uh, is emotional intelligence. I think this ability, like relatable, is to be at some level to meet people where they are. That makes me think a little bit about empathy, but more broadly, I think about emotional intelligence, like what is going on here? Where and how do I need to meet this situation, this person, these people, this dynamic, whatever? Speak a little bit to the importance of emotional intelligence and maybe when you recognized in yourself some degree of it, perhaps. Uh, interesting that you say the word degree. So I, when I was reading my engineering degree, I, I realized at that point, once I got through it, I had to restart my first year and nobody in my class had to restart their first year. I was the only one. So I thought, gracious, I must be either a little bit special or I just, I don't know what's going on. So I, I reset my first year and I got through my second and my third years. And I walked away with a, a bachelor of engineering, an honors degree in communications engineering, which was great. And then it was almost when I landed my first job, I, I realized that actually my, my, my peers got through their engineering courses and they they sailed through them i didn't i really really struggled i really had to apply myself and and and, and i was kind of wrestling with the fact that you know why why can't why am i not uh, particularly good at anything that's academic and it was it was just at that point it kind of dawned on me that i i'm i'm not academic and i i, I claim that myself i'm really not an academic but what i used to tell myself is that i used to i used to used to suggest that I could build anything or fix anything as long as I had a spanner and a screwdriver in my hand. And I would see the world very differently. And um, my father-in-law often used to say to me, I, I don't know, I don't know what it is about you, Paul, but you have the, you have this, this skill or this, this thing that's almost um, intangible. And I would kind of noodle on that word kind of intangible, you know, what does he mean? And it was around kind of relating to people and connecting with people. Now accelerate forwards. We have this thing called uh, IQ, which is your intelligence test, but you also have EQ, which is emotional intelligence. And for me, that resonates to the point where I love hanging out with people. I love connecting with people and I'll meet people exactly where they're at. And, and it may be, um, it, it, I'm trying to think of a half decent example now, but it, but, but it might be in the world of, in the world of work in terms of presenting what we do at Avanti and Avanti Wavelink. It may well be just having a conversation with someone, um, who's just got off a plane and we're on the, we're on the transport together to go and collect our luggage. I, I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but, but people have often said you have this way about connecting with people. And as soon as this whole thing of EQ burst onto the market, I, I dig some, I, I dug into that a bit more and found that a lot of, a lot of the conversations and a lot of the text around EQ really does resonate. And to be able to connect engineering with emotional intelligence 
and being able to articulate stories that people understand, I feel is a key strength of every chief evangelist and a key strength that people have often pointed out in me. So EQ is, is something that's phenomenal. And I, I, I'm sure we could probably argue and, and, and state it is EQ something that can be taught. I, I'm not sure for me, the jury's, the jury's out, but I, I always come back to the point that people buy from people, but people buy more from those that add value to what they do and value. I think you can measure in lots of different ways, including emotional intelligence. Really good. I, I have a feeling. Um, yeah. It makes me curious to know uh, how many people who study that space regard it as a skill. And if so, I assume that it can be, taught or at least enhanced. I don't think you can take someone with almost none and and really push them into some successful zone. But um, I imagine that there, that there is some way that we can intentionally get better at it. You also yes. uh, started to bridge the gap between those two um, toward the conclusion of that, uh, of that great response. And it's in this zone of you made me start thinking about kind of like the art of communication is bridging these two zones, this idea of meeting people where they are. You, you you said, I might have a better example for this. It makes me think about analogies and metaphors. And where I'm going here, this went kind of long way around, that the relevance piece is so much of evangelism is in this zone of something people don't understand. They maybe don't know that they have the problem that we're talking about, or they don't know that there's this new, different, unique, powerful way to approach a problem that they are familiar with. So sometimes it really is in this problem awareness zone. Sometimes it's in um, like a solution understanding or awareness zone. So they don't know. So when I think about relevance, you know, you're not coming to be like, hey, you know how this, you know how that and coming directly, you're kind of come, you have to come side door. You have to come around. Some of that involves um, being relatable and and being emotionally intelligent to know like, is this thing that they're suffering in at the moment? Is this like panic? Everything's on fire. Oh my gosh. And you have this, you know, good tidying about, uh, I have a new way to articulate your problem, or, you know, I know the current solutions are insufficient for you and you're this great deal of pain or confusion, or perhaps they're in a better state. Um, anyway, that's my long way around. Speak a little bit to this idea of relevance, uh, specifically around the context that they, they, they don't really know yet what you're talking about, or else we probably wouldn't need an evangelist in this zone. And, and there's this, once you can connect it to something that they do know or understand, again, like create relevance where there is a lack of understanding or even awareness and like, it just clicks for them and like, oh, okay, let's, let's get, get let's get moving. You, you spoke mm. to me the way I needed mm. to be uh, spoken to. Right, right. The notion of relevance for me is, is being able to communicate and articulate with someone to be able to understand their perspective. So a lot of a lot of my work around what I do as, as chief evangelist for Ivanti Wavelink is to just ask questions, but ask relevant questions. And now you'll you'll be you'll be pulling other things out like uh, your nonverbal communication, so your eye contact, the, the 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 fact that you're reflecting some of their mannerisms. In fact, I was I was on a I was on a uh, training session today and it reminded me of the personality types in terms of colors. And I think as, as a, as a chief evangelist, you, you navigate your way around those four colors very easily, almost like you're, you're, dare I say, almost hovering, kind of gliding, but it's, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all done internally 
and it's almost like a, a muscle that you you constantly flex and, and move and you know how that muscle works. So being relevant to to someone to be able to almost play back what their pain points are by first asking those questions, internalizing that, and then playing it back out quite simply, either by using complicated words if you have to, if if, if that person is 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 accepts those elements, or you play it out in metaphors and stories. If you look back at the evangelists of old, they were they were storytellers. They were storytellers, and they told exceptional stories. They leveraged a little bit of humor. They leveraged some some seriousness, but also in the way that they communicated, the words they choose to use, their tone, their pitch, their pace, their power, all of those things were almost effortless for them. And that's why I think the role of the chief evangelist is, is so powerful, so relevant, and so in tune with where we are going today. You look at technology and the and the, the the explosion of AI and technology, you could argue, is rocketing forwards really at light speed. But if you stop and consider, although technology has changed and shifted, have humans changed and shifted over the years? No, we still communicate in three basic ways. Nonverbal communication, our tone, and the words that we choose to use. So by knowing all of those elements, by leveraging all of those elements, by practicing you, the the art and the skill of communicating, that's when a chief evangelist really is working at their optimum. Really good. I'm so glad that you brought up this this uh, disparity between uh, our ancient selves as humans. And, Some are more and, ancient than others. Yeah, it's true. Uh, if anyone's <laughs> watching the video, you can see the color of my hair, for example. Um, it, it, and my mine, current role perhaps has aged sure. me a bit too. Yeah. Uh, but 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 in in the context of this super fast changing space, uh, I mean, you you already mentioned AI, which I think is the um, one of the most powerful go tos. I think even if we were recording this six or eight months ago, before the big generative AI moment of you know late twenty twenty two, even before that, I think people would recognize, gosh, this is all changing so fast, and I think we fashion ourselves especially because some of this technology is really close to us. I'm thinking specifically of a phone and all the things that it does for us. And some of the, you know, the the versions of AI we've been carrying around in our pocket um, at some level that we never identified as such because we couldn't, I'm air quoting, talk to it and it couldn't talk back to us. Um, yeah. We anthropomorphize everything. But um, that that gap between the two is so interesting and I speak and teach to it a lot, like in the context of video email and video messaging, because this this is mm. the most human expression with the speed and convenience and asynchronicity of the tools that we use every single day. But it restores so much of the way that we've learned to connect and communicate for millennia, the way that we've evolved mm. to uh, read facial expression of emotion, uh, which at this point is now completely mm. innate and completely universal across societies and cultures and and everything. And so- mm -hmm. Um, I appreciate you drawing that out. I'd love for you to go back, go deeper into that a little bit. Like, I, I feel like I heard you say, like, now is the time that evangelism is even more powerful or that there's an even greater opportunity here for other people, other companies to, to go into this. I think, you know, uh, common sense, which we all know has some strengths and weaknesses at all times. 
Uh, common sense would have us say, um, this is the AI moment and it should be all about AI. I think at the same time, um, any definition of technology and its place and its role is also an exploration of the place and role of the human being. Um, and you seem to have some clarity of thought or, or strength of belief or both in this. Now is the time for evangelism. Like speak a little bit more to that idea. Like why is now the time? Cause I feel the same way I've articulated it a little mm -hmm. bit, but I'd love to hear you do it because of your clarity of thought and power of expression. I, I, so I, I'm not sure I've got clarity of thought, but I'll certainly I'll certainly tell you kind of what goes through my mind when it comes to evangelism. I was I was reading I was reading a book by Chris Doe, A Pocket Full of Doe. Um, it's a fantastic book if you're a creative type or you're in design or something like that. And one of the, one of the things he calls out in this book is uh, a gentleman. His name escapes me uh, right now. Um, but he he was uh, trying to get a job. This is back in the 1950s. He was trying to get a job in New York, couldn't get a job, was sending out CVs left, right, and center. And the one thing that he discovered was he needed to stand out. So he only stood out by an eighth of an inch. An eighth of an inch is really not that much. Again, it's probably different kind of sizing as to where your kind of hand is relative to where the, where the camera lens is. But... An eighth of an inch isn't that much. He then stood out by an eighth of an inch, sent this CV to uh, this, this person in New York who then called him and was really, really upset by the fact that his CV stood out by an eighth of an inch. Turned out, because his CV stood out by an eighth of an inch, the guy called him and said, you've really annoyed me to the point where he actually got the job. And let me let me bring that that back to the point that I'd love to make, which is around. You may say that AI is the future, but actually, evangelism. Everyone has a different perspective of what evangelism is like. My particular perspective is there is so much noise, digital noise that's going out there right now. You look on LinkedIn and you can scroll forever, forever. And still we know see that nothing from that person getting... you connected with two days ago. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. That's right. But but it it, it you, you can you can scroll forever. And the thing for me is, if you have if you have a good evangelist, they'll stand out. If you have a great evangelist, they'll stand out and draw people in. If you are a chief evangelist, you have to hone your craft. You have to learn what there is around not just what's in your lane, but also your adjacencies to be able to, to, to confidently talk about what's going on in terms of what you see. People call that thought leadership, but also being able to cross-pollinate with what's going on in your adjacencies and being able to use everything that you know, basically your nonverbal communication, your words and your tone, but bringing all of that to life and being able to stand out really is how chief evangelists bring people in. They create a groundswell. They create a following. And again, it dials back to the point that we were making earlier, Ethan, which is people buy from people. If you can be relatable and you can be relevant, you can articulate people's problems. You're walking a mile or perhaps three miles in their shoes 
what are people going to do? They're going to come back to you because you're offering relevance, you're offering relatability, but moreover, you're offering value. So that's really why I believe chief evangelists now need to stand up, move forwards, connect together, which is why I love the idea of the podcast, because we can all learn from each other to talk about and, and articulate the value of what our companies do, but also articulate the value of what we do as chief evangelists. Really good. I appreciate that uh, additional call out to the podcast. It's been a really interesting exploration for me. And there are um, threads through all these conversations, but to your point, they're all expressed differently. Like what this is in this market, in this uh, environment, in this company, um, in this person's unique background, they are all, they are all expressed differently. Uh, but I really appreciate too this this idea of standing out amid the ever-increasing and probably dramatically proliferating digital noise and even digital pollution um, by being a relatable and relevant human being who is adding value to someone's life. Share with me, uh, you know, you were titled Solutions uh, Evangelist before. Um, you describe yourself as an enablement lead uh, in your LinkedIn headline, at least as the time of recording this. Um, talk to me about what this role looks like at Avanti. Uh, you've been in it for shy of two years. How did you find them? How did they find you? What was going on for them? Uh, or what was going on for you when you kind of came together and, and made this thing happen? Like, what is that about? And um, to the degree to, that it leverages uh, the solutions concept or enablement, uh, feel free to roll that in if you like. I, let me kind of build on the, the the piece around emotional intelligence that I was talking about earlier. So again, I, I knew that I wasn't going to go on and, and kind of be a professor and do a PhD and that sort of thing, because I'm just not wired that way, but I'm wired very much to connect with people. And that's one of my favorite things to do. When, when I started out, I wanted to be an engineer. Um, that was probably the third thing and the most successful thing out of the three that I wanted to be when I was a kid. Uh, so an engineer was the third. The second was to be a radio presenter. And the first was to be a helicopter pilot. Unfortunately, the first I couldn't do because I wear glasses and I also have asthma. So that didn't work. That was out the window. The second, I actually trained to become a radio presenter. And I spent a lot of time inside a hospital radio station in London, my, my local hospital, which was Guy's Hospital in London. And I cut my teeth there. And I learned how to edit. I learned how to project my voice, almost the 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 roundabout way of, of leveraging pitch, power, pace, and all of those things that we do as presenters. And then finally, I kind of fell into engineering, uh, ended up working for Nokia, and that was my first job. But the, the skills that I learned as a presenter, I've kept with me. And as I think during our during our prep call, I, I remember using the phrase, skills are the currency for the work of tomorrow. And you can almost kind of picture it as like a, like a toolbox, right? The, the, the bigger your toolbox, the more tools you can fit in it, the heavier it will become, but the more tools you can fit in that toolbox. So think of your skills like tools that you put in the toolbox. As I was delivering radio shows and I was listening back to them, I was improving each week. And those skills I've kept with me. So the engineering piece I kind of did, but it wasn't really my sweet spot. It wasn't really what I became passionate about. So I moved into technical support and I ended up working with people. And then I've realized actually for me to do my best work, I've got to be with people. So that was great. 
then was unfortunately made redundant. And then I um, started, and that's where True North was born. I started up my own company and I was a, basically a trainer for hire. But that's where I could really explore what it was like to blow the dust off being a radio presenter, or at least using those skills. I then landed a job with uh, Motorola. Now they're called Zebra Technologies. And I had a great time. But for the first four years, I was a, was a product manager. But then that's where I saw a gap. I saw a gap where I was seeing lots of different presenters talking about different stories. And I, I didn't see that there was one voice or, or hear one voice or see one face that was really pulling all of those stories together and articulating one story. So I, I had a chat with my line manager at the time and cut a very long story short. I actually transitioned out of being a product manager and ended up into the training team. So I looked after, I, I was part of the training team, uh, reported to a great woman called Fee, uh, taught me a lot. But one of the things that I did was that the, the gap that I saw, I wanted to go fill it. And you'll, 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 probably remember if you've got kids the 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 cartoon um i can't remember again my memory's a bit shot at the moment but see a need fill a need i think it was in um it was in the pixar movie robots see a need fill a need so i saw a need so i went to fill it and that's where the solutions evangelist was born for me it was a self-made title i looked at you know x manager or y leader or it just they didn't fit and I remember being in the shower one day and all of a sudden it, the, the penny dropped. What you do is you're an evangelist. You have all of these skills that you can pull together and you drive in a particular direction, which is connecting with people. So that's where I scratched out whatever manager it was on my business card and wrote in solutions evangelist. <laughs> and I remember d delivering some presentations on, on stage and, and telling the zebra technology story. I remember people coming up to me saying, before I started, people coming up to me saying, North, what's a, what's a solutions evangelist? And I would often say, well, just, just hang on a second, wait until I finish presenting, and then we'll pick up that conversation. Typically, when I got off stage, that person would make a beeline for me, and they would say, I get it now. I know exactly what a solutions evangelist is. And, and that's really where, for me, the... The, the foundations were, were, were built and I was creating this persona, this, this role of the solutions evangelist inside Zebra. Now working for Avanti Wavelink, I, I was very briefly, I, I was, I was out in Guilin in China and uh, one of the guys came up to me, another Brit guy called Simon, uh, came off stage. I came off stage. He made a beeline for me and said, North, that was fantastic. Let's go and have a drink and have a discussion. Uh, we then got quite close over over the kind of preceding 18 months and again, not going into too much detail, there was a gap inside Avanti Wavelink. Simon had positioned me and what I was doing with uh, some of the leaders inside Avanti Wavelink. Of course, we were going through our COVID time and that's where I completely ripped and re replaced my office and I decided, do you know what? I'm going to try and start a YouTube channel. So that was my lockdown project. Unbeknown to me, the, the, the leadership team at Avanti Wavelink was looking at most of my videos, if not all of my videos, and they saw, again, showing my work, they saw, this is the person that we want to join us. And that's what happened.
So good. Go, go one more there. Like what, I mean, obviously there's a personal relationship. There was a, a clear endorsement. This guy gets it. He's unique. He's got, he's very talented. He's very expressive. He's got this unique point of view about how to wrap things together and share them with people in a way that, you know, turns light bulbs out in people's heads and things. What what were they looking to solve to the to the degree that you uh, were aware of that? Like what? Why then? Like what, what was that gap? Great question. So what they were looking for was, in fact, what Ivanti Wavelink were looking for was twofold. And these are the two hats that I wear. So if, so for Ivanti Wavelink, I'm their sales enablement lead. I've now almost shorten that to enablement lead because it, it doesn't matter whether you're enabling sales or you're enabling our technical teams, you're still enabling people. So I now lead their enablement efforts and I'm also their chief evangelist. And again, we've come full circle by wearing those two hats. I can, I can bring what I know as a chief evangelist into our enablement effort and it may be you're telling stories to sales as to why they need to close quicker, why we need to help them change their mindset, why they need to use particular words, why they need to use the power of silence. All, all of these things, things that they know, but sometimes they need to be reinforced. You can take the same elements of being a chief evangelist also into training your technical teams. For me, there is always a thread of passion and enthusiasm in both of those uh, enablement pillars. And again, sometimes you can't articulate, well, why is it I gravitate towards Ethan? What is it? For me, it's, it's very much consistently seeing someone's passion about what they believe in, about the product or the solution or how it's going to help someone solve a problem. It's, it's very difficult to believe an evangelist who is, dare I say, quite dull, boring, comes across as monotone, not really interested in their product whatsoever. You know, what, why, why would you buy from that person? You know, as, as, as humans, we, we, we know this and it's been instilled into us from a very young age. So actually we're, we're very good at discerning whether we believe that someone's telling the truth or they're not based on what we observe, based on what we hear, based on what we smell and taste and touch and all of those things. So again, tying this all back together, Ivanti Wavelink were looking for an enablement lead. They were also looking for someone who could elevate them and, and tell their story and have them stand out an eighth of an inch. And that's why they hired me. Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelist, let's get back to it. Great callback to that uh, to that CV, um, and I appreciate too your callback in a way to the um, to the ancient human brain and our decision making process. And 
when we feel, I'm going to add my own language to it, like when we feel safe to proceed and take the next step, we feel safe to proceed and take the next step, whatever that is, whether it's docu signing a seven figure contract or whether it's agreeing to return a phone call or to take a meeting uh, or anything in between. Yes. We do that when we feel the person's motivation and intent are positive, that we can read that from yes. other people. We can read that people believe what they're actually saying. We can read that people have our best interest in mind, or at least seem to, that they understand us, or at least want to understand us. And until some of those uh, boxes are checked and it's all subconscious, then we then we stand back. And so when we look at, just to go back to something you're talking about in terms of enablement and closing faster, when we look at where things slow down and why things slow down in a funnel it's typically around this we're not we're not checking those boxes it's not clear mm -hmm. that we understand them or that we have their best interests in mind or some of these other things and so i really appreciate the idea of assigning um someone with evangelistic skills into an enablement role that's something i haven't quite heard before I, I i can certainly see people who are evangelists doing some enablement type work and i'm kind of in that zone a little bit i certainly yes. spend time with yes. our aes and our customer success managers and those those types of folks um yes. but i can also imagine that there's someone entitled you know sales enablement leader or something perhaps as you were uh it, before you became a solutions evangelist uh kind of scratching words off and really moving forward that way I want to double back to your, uh, you know, your your moment where it occurred to you that I am an evangelist. What, like, where does that go back to? Like, where did you first encounter the word? Where did you encounter the title? Or, or is it even not associated with job titles at all? It was just a word that spoke mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. Great question. So I was I was brought up in uh, a Christian home. And uh, I would I would often go to church, and one of the um, I suppose one of one one of the roles of uh, someone who would often tell Bible stories inside the church building, but also outside, was the evangelist. So subconsciously, that kind of that dropped into the back of my head, and I, I didn't think anything of it. And then it was only I suppose during. The, the the skills that I was learning, uh, my uh, the the creating and and learning how to present just using my voice sometimes a little bit on camera, um, also amateur dramatics, um, and just again conversations with people, being able to just start a conversation with anyone, finding some sort of common ground. It might be the weather, typically, which is what we always talk about in the UK. It might be sports, it might be cars, it, it, whatever. But you find that common thing between someone and all of those skills that you learn come out. They be, Being able to articulate yourself all comes out. The amateur dramatics piece, it comes out. It, it's a little bit like putting on putting on a jacket, putting on a persona. It's still you, but it's slightly amplified, but it will be amplified to a particular point dependent on who you're talking to. If it's one-to-one, -one, it may not be amplified at all. If it's one-to-many, you're presenting on stage, it would be amplified a little bit more. But but the, but the point that I'm making is that everything you, you practice will come out somewhere. And it's connecting and being aware self-aware 
of what's going on around you. So again, that evangelist thing was still kind of rattling around in the back of my mind and the skills that I was, I was plugging into the things that I was gravitating towards the, all of the, 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 the passion elements came out. And it was only at that point subconsciously where they all came together that my brain went North, you're an evangelist. All of a sudden the light bulb came on, the penny dropped and, oh yes, that's it. You know, it was, it was that, it was that kind of voila moment, um, that eureka moment. And from, from that point onwards, I have not manifested it, but I've, I've tried to stress test and, and find where the edge of the evangelism envelope is. I haven't found it yet. Um, I'm still, I'm still pushing forwards, but, but that's, that's really the crux of where it came from. And it's, it's a, it's a role that I, I deeply believe in. It's a role that I'm passionate about. And I don't see myself in sales. Often people have said, no, if you, you should be a sales guy. You should be in sales. No, I don't want to be a sales guy. Or, you know, no, if you should, you should be, um, you should, you should go and do this. You should go and be here. You should, no, it, it, it's for me, the, the evangelist is almost taking the best bits of, of sales marketing of taking product and taking this, um, being on camera. So amateur dramatics, or even kind of being a semi-professional uh, actor, pulling those things in and it kind of coming together in a way that really cuts through and you're relatable and you're that face of the product or the solution that solves a particular problem, a customer problem, or potentially a, a slightly wider, maybe a, a world-based problem. I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but for me, that's where it's, that's where it's come from. So many good ideas in there. And I can relate to a lot of them. The one I can't relate to is that I had to learn. Like, I, I remember when we first got our, op our first opportunity to have a breakout session at a big trade show or conference. And it was like, Ethan, mm -hmm. you're going to go do that. <laughs> like, okay, I'll figure it out. <laughs> like I had done a bunch of webinars, but prior to that, I had never done any webinars before. Like I, um, your background makes, I feel like your work in this zone probably comes across at, as more effortless. And I think what closes that gap is that passion and that, and that honest, sincere belief that people can feel like this dude really means what he's saying. Like, that's a big deal. I want to highlight two key things you offered there that, that are especially mm -hmm. uh, resonant with me. One of them is this idea of like, no, I don't quite want to do that. I respect it. I right. understand it. I see how it connects to these other things. I want to do something kind of in the connective tissue between these things kind of zone. I definitely mm. identify with yeah. that. And then this, this other one who I heard from a couple of different people, um, and I'll just share a little bit about uh, one of them with you because I think you'll appreciate it, uh, is this idea of be, it's you, but a little bit extra as is appropriate for the situation. So it's still, it's not inauthentic. It's still you. It's just you allowing yourself to go out a little bit farther with a little bit more energy, mm -hmm. with a little bit more passion, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And um, in, mm -hmm. in the second mm -hmm. book that I wrote with my friend, Steve, uh, called Human Centered Communication, we were, we were probing this zone of how to create human connection across the digital divide. And two different, we interviewed 11 different experts who we knew were very competent and um deeply immersed in video in some way, not just video messaging, but, um, you know, being present on Zoom. And one of them was a woman who was a, a sales, Julie Hansen, uh, who is an actress, 
became an actress and got into improv as a means of developing more confidence in her sales role. She, she looked around, she was a salesperson and a sales manager, looked around and said to herself, I don't feel as confident as everyone else seems, right? First of all, everyone is st right. still suffering the same thing inside. It's just a matter of how they can uh, wrap it and overcome it in the moment. But she found acting right. and improv as the means forward, became a, a professional actress, had a number of great roles uh, on Broadway. She was in Sex in the City, among other, you know, notable productions. And um, mm. and she she shared very specifically the exact same thing that you did, which is like it's not inauthentic. Every good actor and every good salesperson and every good evangelist in the moment as appropriate, it's them, but turned up a couple of notches. It's just a little bit extra, right. um, but it, but it's Correct. still totally sincere. And, um, yes. and it's especially important on camera because the camera takes your energy away. Anything I share that, that you want to respond to? No, no, no. You've, you've, you've nailed absolutely everything. I was looking away, just kind of writing some notes. I, I feel my, um, my weapons of ma of mass creation of pencil and paper, which is, which is why I was looking away. But but yes, you're you're absolutely right. The, the 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 notion of you but amplified is 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 beautifully articulate in terms of that is the basis of how I believe all humans should communicate. Some don't. Some do. Some do to a to a huge degree. And there's lots of different, you know, kind of points in the middle, but that, that idea of, you know, putting on a persona, it's still me under here, but I'm now just wearing a red jacket as opposed to a yellow jacket or a blue jacket as opposed to, um, a, a, a green jacket, right? It's still me and making that connection for me was, it was, it was, it was it was quite early on, but it was, it felt natural. It was just kind of, I just, it just happened. Other people like Julie Hansen, just, just like you said, sometimes have to work at it. And I, I, I'm not quite sure how I would articulate my story of doing that. It, it just happened. I'm sure I could find the words if we had more time. Um, the, the other, the other piece, I want to flip the script maybe, and just maybe walk for you to walk me through what was that first webinar like being on camera? What was going through your mind at the time? And then what happened afterwards? Great. Thank you for turning that around. You warned me that you might do that. And I had forgotten that you would have warned me until you turned it around. Um, so I'll just share a couple of ideas related to it. I, For me, I feel really confident and excited. First of all, I sincerely believe in what we're doing. Like I know from my own experience, having sent more than 15,000 video messages, been involved in this movement before we really had any revenue or any customers, being a true pie, like our company is a true pioneer of the space that has now attracted hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital. And I could bore you with the entire history of the past 15 years of this idea and the different iterations it's taken and the way of evolution of technologies allowed, you know, people's use of the, these co core concepts. Um, certainly there's a lot to be said around this AI moment and what that means when the internet is now loaded with things that no one can attribute, that no one can trust. There's that person, there's that face, there's that financial advisor who I ha I haven't moved my assets under her management yet, but she keeps giving me great advice on YouTube or in social or because I'm on her email list or whatever the case may be. So 
for me, um, where I had my footing under me, I was probably overprepared for those first handful of webinars. But for me, what I when I realized that th I could do this and it excited me um, was when I was clear about what I was trying to do in that moment, whether it was a three-minute video or whether it was a 60-minute webinar or whether it was a 45-minute stage presentation or whatever. So it's this like confident in my material and then the natural passion that exists. Uh, and then the other kind of key element there that I definitely built my webinars on, I'll tell you one more idea and then give it back to you, is um, stories, examples, use cases, et cetera, like that, that brings it to life and makes it more relatable to other people. And so for me, so what, so I was doing project, I was bored to tears like you in radio, I had come up in television. So I was very comfortable writing, okay. produced, I had written, produced and edited thousands of individual pieces of video, some as short as five seconds, some as wow. many as, you know, like longer sales presentations and things. But yeah. mostly it was in that 30 second, 15 second range where you had to take the essence of something and bring it into a concise thing, the best sound, the best moments, stitch it together in some kind of a meaningful way where even if I never watch the thing, I understand it. You know, it's not this, this pure provocation. It's also a little bit of a, a complete package in and of itself. So that was something I wasn't super aware of, but I was bored with television. And so I was doing project work with a bunch of different people, including the two co-founders of BombBomb, who I had met as soon as my, my wife and son and I moved out here to Colorado Springs, where we've been for 16, 17 years now. And yeah. When they offered me to come on as the first and only marketer, I was not a digital marketer. This is uh, 2011. So this was like the onset of the rise of social. It was really all about Google ads, but no one's searching our keywords. Like no one's searching video email in 2011. They're just not. They don't even know what the thing. And so um, – right. My, my natural inclination is someone who loved to shoot photos, just like hiking and shooting photos was a thing. I've always loved like uh, landscape photography and kind of like illustrating trails and experiences through a series of 15 or 30 photos. Obviously, a great depth of uh, comfort and confidence and experience and even, arguably even expertise in writing, producing and editing video, which was helpful. And I, sure. I always liked to write. I really loved school. I was a social science kind of a person. There's a lot of reading and writing. And I loved that. And so I lent that background and those skills to uh, an environment that needed something substantial where nothing really existed besides some Google AdWords and a, and a really strong concept um, and it really was just talking with as many customers as possible, collecting as many stories as possible. They would send examples of what they were sending to their customers or their prospects or their employees or whatever. They would send testimonials in. That was a super benefit too, by the way, is that we could communicate with video because using our product meant you could send videos to me and we didn't have to do all this synchronously. We didn't have to fly down to Dallas yeah. or fly over to Delaware or whatever the case may be to get this stuff done. Yeah. Um, it could all come to yeah. me and then I could stitch it all together into stories, examples, lessons, uh, et cetera. And so um, I said last thing, like three things ago, when I knew that this was really for me in those webinars is when you would get the comments, you would get the comments, you would get follow up afterward. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. That was so helpful. Like just mm. some of those light bulb moments, those aha moments, you knew that you were truly helping people. And that it wasn't just mm. slide seven 
it was the thought and care and, and weaving of all of these things into a new whole fabric um, that really got people excited like that. I loved that feeling of turning people on to a new idea, a new practice in a way that would motivate yeah. them to do something in a way that like yeah. optimizing a pay-per-click campaign is not as stimulating for me. Fantastic. That's great. That's, that's really, really good to hear. And, 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 and I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll attest to it that what you learned back then, you're still using elements of that today. So Absolutely. frankly, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. No, it was interesting too. I ended up, um, and I've probably told versions of this origin story on this podcast already, but I ended up doing a, a podcast series with evangelists four years ago for fun. And when I published that blog post, um, Steve, who is our, was our CMO and, and my boss, uh, read it and he was like, first, really cool. Great job. This is a really neat thing, you know? Um, and second, I think we need an evangelist because it was 10 things I learned from four chief evangelists. And, th and then third, it was, you are our evangelist. And, and like so many people have told me in these conversations, and you essentially did too, not as explicitly, but I think it's not that, it's not hard for everything you have shared in this recorded conversation to see that you were an evangelist all along. Um, but that's what I, that's what occurred to both of us at the time. And so even though it was ill-defined, it was kind of shapeless. We did have some like great brand names and some really great people talking about their experiences. And he was like, you are the evangelist. And in, in hindsight, I have been. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, you have. And, 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 uh, and, and you should, you should step into it and, and move further into it, you know, try and find the edge of, 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 of where that evangelist kind of envelope stops. Right. I, I dare say you probably won't get to the end of it. I, I, I really, I, I truly believe that, but yes, you are the evangelist and, and go for it, turn it up. What, what I would also say is, 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 is make sure that you have a successor, you know, find someone that you can hand the baton on to, because I'm sure they'll elevate from, from where you stand them up. So, uh, no, it's, it, it's phenomenal to, to connect with a group of evangelists that all have, and we, we spoke about this during our prep session. It, it's great to connect with evangelists that all have a very similar mindset, different products and solutions, but there really is a common thread that runs between us all. It's very cool. Yeah. Speak a little bit more to that successor. Um, I, I, what I just reflecting back on this conversation, hmm. it's obviously important. I think it's going to be more important in the future, not less. Um, none of us is fixed perhaps. I mean, I feel like I'm a fixture at coming up on 12 years inside the same company, but like, <laughs> um, talk about that successor piece. I mean, how large is Avanti? You mentioned, uh, to me that you, there's another evangelist inside the organization, um, we've had a number of people, I think at least three or four now who have mentioned that they're working on building out a team. I've heard the story of teams of evangelists. Certainly when you look at companies like, um, I'm thinking of Google in particular, they probably have at least eight or 10, if not more. Um, and they have for years, Microsoft has had evangelists for years, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. Yep. talk about succession. Um, how big is Avanti and I think you have, there are two of you now. Is there any thought of a team of six? Great, 
Great questions. Uh, so Ivanti Wavelink, which is the business unit that I work for, about 106 people. The wider Ivanti is uh, getting on for 3,200 people, maybe a little bit more now. So we're, we're, we're quite a large um, IT service management organization. The Ivanti Wavelink division, we focus on supply chain. That is what we do. And now it's it's now a, a, a word that's in even even children's mouths because of the whole impact of of, of COVID. Uh, so that's what that's what the company does. There's several products that sit underneath Avanti. There's a number of products that also sit underneath Avanti Wavelink, the supply chain division. When it comes to succession, one of the things that I firmly believe in, as does the GM at Avanti uh, Avanti uh, Wavelink, uh, a guy called Brandon, it's all about giving back. And how do we give back? So when I think about giving back, I'm not just kind of giving what I know out to the uh, wider um, the wider world, but I'm talking about how do I give back to the next generation? You know, I, I, I've had some things handed down from me from from my from my grandfather, and I want to pass those on to my kids. Like you, you, you have a you're a parent as well, and naturally that's what you want to do, but almost from a cognitive mindset and from being intentional, I want to pass down the skills that I've learned to the next generation of evangelists. And, you know, that might be make sure that you're reading lots. You know, I've I've now just discovered audiobooks. And I well, I say not now, just discovered. I've been into them for years, but but I wish I'd had them when I was 18 or 19. Because I, I love them. I, I'm consuming so many books. I'm learning as much as I can. I block out two hours every week where I just spend time learning because it means that no one can book that time. And also it's blocked out predominantly for me to sharpen the saw. But to be able to give back tips and to give back, yes, tips and tricks and things that I've learned to up and coming evangelists to see them stand up and get them going really for me there's there's no there's no higher calling dare i say what a joy uh we have to wrap this we didn't even get into some of the blocking and tackling of where do you report what does success look like what are the main activity zones so we'll definitely i feel this way after literally every conversation but i have very specific questions that i know we could spend an hour on just to create more context <laughs> but but that idea i don't know what i'm doing with this podcast i, I think this is going to be episode 27 or 28 somewhere in that range i still don't know what yeah. i'm doing with it my goal is not to monetize it my like i don't know what i'm doing with it i just felt compelled and then uh, my friend casey stepped up and said i believe in you i believe in this idea i think this is a thing you know i'll produce the podcast and um so here we are, and it really is in the spirit of what you're talking about, um, which is, I think, I feel like I'm an evangelist for evangelism. Like, this is a thing, and I know that we're eye to eye on this too, um, perhaps yeah. even as, as, as trite or soft as this sounds, even heart to heart on this as well, which is that this is a thing, this is a thing people need to know about. Uh, and so I hope that this body of people's stories and insights and collections that this adds to the legacy you want to leave personally. I want to do that. I want to help other people do the same thing and learn along the way as well. I, for me, because yeah. I'm doing these uh, in the mornings and the evenings and the weekends, it, it really is about, um, this is essentially my own forced professional development sword sharpening as well. So um, before I let you go, what is something <laughs> okay. you find yourself evangelizing in your own personal life? 
Great question. For me, it's, it's communication. It really is the art of communication. And I've, I've often, when one of my children was, was smaller, they got into all sorts of mischief by sending messages to another person and they read it the wrong way and chaos broke out. And one of the things that I, I've always, I've always articulated to my children is you always, always praise either in public or you praise someone via message, right? You know, the research about, you know, how we communicate 55% is nonverbal. 38% is, is words is tone, forgive me. And 7% is words, right? So I, I've often kind of used that as a bit of a finger in the yardstick. So if, if, if you need to have a conversation with someone, pick the phone up that my, my children are, uh, they're Gen Z. So actually, if you look at, you know, some of the write-ups and the, and the commentaries on kind of Gen Z, they don't like picking the phone up. And, and I know that one of my daughters absolutely detests it, but when she does it, she typically gets the result that she wants. And actually in her head, it's not really a big thing. You know, it's not, it's nothing really to be feared because again, you're connecting with people and she knows how to connect with people because she's grown up connecting with people. So by, by, by helping, by helping her see past that, by helping all of my kids see past that and to effectively communicate, they will go through life having being understood and also understanding others. So communication is probably the one huge thing that I keep banging on about <laughs> with my kids. Another shared passion of ours, I've read and referred to a ton of research in this zone. Uh, I appreciate that you're intentionally sharing that with your kids. Paul, for people who've stayed with us for what I assume has got to be close to an hour now, uh, where would you send them to follow up, connect with you, and have you jump out in their feeds? Okay, right. So uh, one easy thing that you can do is you can head up, head up to LinkedIn. And if you go to LinkedIn, uh, and if you're watching this on video, one thing that you can do is simply, there is a QR code, and you can connect with me at that QR code. You could also head to YouTube, and you could have a look at some of the content on True North. Um, and you could also head to evanti.com slash wavelink to see what we do in supply chain but you'll find me in one or all of those three places super i'll link all that stuff up it'll be adjacent to wherever you're watching or listening to this north i appreciate you very much we have more conversations recorded and unrecorded to be had i wish you a great rest of your day and i appreciate you spending this time with us no problem ethan thank you so much really appreciate the podcast uh happy to come back as a guest on the show again. Uh, but I've had so much fun in just spending a bit of time with you. So thank you, Ethan. Appreciate what you're doing. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.